good morning, everybody. I am not as prepared as I would like to be, so we'll see what happens. <laughs> Hopefully, it'll be okay. Um, just a thank you to Aaron for that worship this morning. Just um, the presence of God was just really palpable in the place this morning. So just, just thank you, thank you for that. So this morning I'm speaking from Luke. So pretty much all of the verses actually that I am looking at are from Luke. So it's that was easy enough um, for me because I didn't have a whole pile of time to prepare. We just stuck to Luke. Um, <clears throat> I suppose really I was reading through Luke not that long ago and the thing, there's a few themes really that began to stand out to me and one of those was authority. So the first passage I want to look at is Luke chapter 9 starting at verse 1 if you want to turn to it and it says he called the twelve together and gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases and he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal. And he said to them, take nothing for your journey, no staff, nor bag, nor bread, nor money, and do not have two tunics. And whatever house you enter, stay there, and from there depart. And whenever they do not receive you, when you leave that town, shake off the dust from your feet as a testimony against them. And they departed and went through the villages, preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. So the definition of authority, I looked up a few definitions. So it's the power or right to give orders, make decisions and enforce obedience. The right to act in a specific way, delegated from one person or organisation to another. Or a person or organisation having political or administrative power and control. So just when I looked at that verse at the start, it says he gave them power and authority over demons and to cure diseases. And I just thought, wow, that is amazing. Imagine having that kind of power and authority given to you, power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. You know, is that, do we really believe that do we really believe that same power and authority that Jesus gave out to those the 12 apostles is available for us as well you know are we serious is this the type of stuff that we want to be doing you know that's a challenge to myself as well you know do we really believe we have power and authority to cast out demons and to cure diseases you know why would we want this kind of authority I believe it's completely necessary for preaching the gospel and proclaiming the kingdom. The two go hand in hand. You know, we see that there. He gives them power and authority and then sends them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal. And they went through the villages preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. The two go hand in hand. Um, <clears throat> and if we look then at Luke... 4 verses 18 and 19 so this is when Jesus is preaching 
are speaking in the temple. He's opening up the scriptures on the Sabbath day. Verse 18, he says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. You know, that's Jesus' mission statement. That's, you know, the good news. That is the gospel. And we see again that there it goes hand in hand with proclaiming liberty to the captives, recovering of sight to the blind, set at liberty those who are oppressed. That goes hand in hand with um, preaching the gospel and proclaiming the good news. And this authority, it comes from the Spirit. We see that there in <coughs> verse 18. You know, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. And then after that, we see that Jesus casts out the spirit of an unclean demon. And it says in Luke 4, um, Luke 4, 32, actually, first of all, it says he went down to Capernaum, a city of Galilee, and he was teaching them on the Sabbath and they were astonished at his teaching for his word possessed authority. So I like literally went through Luke and circled every time that authority was mentioned and it's a mention 14 times in total in the Gospel of Luke more than any other Gospel. We see that theme recurring over and over again. So we see that with his Jesus teaching it possessed authority. Then he casts out the demon um, or the unclean spirit and then it says in verse 36 they were all amazed and said to one another what is this word for with authority and power he commands the unclean spirits and they come out. Um, and then it says, and reports about him went out into every place in the surrounding region. So that's why authority is key. You know, Jesus had authority. Jesus gave authority to his followers. The people were amazed at his authority and it was how the gospel spread when they saw the power and authority that his word possessed and that everywhere he went that demons were um, cast out and people were healed. Then to have authority we must recognise that we are under authority. If we look at Luke chapter 7 Luke chapter 7, verses 1 to 10. After he had finished all his sayings in the hearing of the people, he entered Capernaum. Now a centurion had a servant who was sick and at the point of death, who was highly valued by him. When the centurion heard about Jesus, he sent him elders of the Jews, asking him to come and heal his servant. And when they came to Jesus, they pleaded with him earnestly, saying, He is worthy to have you do this for him, for he loves our nation, and he is the one who built us our synagogue. And Jesus went with them. When he was not far from the house, the centurion sent friends, saying to him, Lord, do not trouble yourself, for I am not worthy to have you come under my roof. Therefore I did not presume to come to you. But say the word and let my servant be healed. For I too am a man set under authority with soldiers under me. And I say to one go and he goes and to another come and he comes. And to my servant do this and he does it. 
When Jesus heard these things, he marveled at him and turning to the crowd that followed him said, I tell you, not even in Israel have I found such great faith. And when those had be, who had been sent returned to the house, they found the servant well. So there again, we see that word authority mentioned. And the centurion doesn't actually say, I am a man of authority or I'm a man who has authority. He says that I am a man set under authority. And we look back at the original Greek, he says, I am a man hypoexusian, under authority. Tazimos appointed with soldiers under me. Therefore, he could give orders for this one to come and for that one to go. And he recognized that in Jesus. He recognized that Jesus was under authority, that he was appointed by someone more powerful working on their behalf. And that is why he had such great faith that Jesus could heal. And Jesus marveled at that faith. So we are under authority as well. Whose authority are we under? We're under the authority of the Father. So this authority is from the Father and it's by the Spirit. The concept of authority is completely and inextricably linked and dependent on our relationship with the Father. If we look at Luke 10, verses 1 to 10... So it's Jesus sending out the 72. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them on ahead of him, two by two, into every town and place where he himself was about to go. And he said to them, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Go your way. Behold, I am sending you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. Carry no money bag, no knapsack, no sandals, and greet no one on the road. Whatever house you enter, first say, peace to this house. And if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest upon him. But if not, it will return to you. And remain in the same house, eating and drinking what they provide, for the labourer deserves his wages. Do not go from house to house, Whenever you enter a town and they receive you, eat what is set before you. Heal the sick in it and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. But whenever you enter a town and they do not receive you, go into its streets and say, even the dust of your town that clings to your feet, we wipe off against you. Nevertheless, know this, that the kingdom of God has come. I tell you, it will be more bearable on that day for Sodom than of that town. So again, we say, see Jesus sending out and appointing the 72 and they are to go out and they are to heal the sick and preach that the kingdom of God has come near to you. We see those two things going hand in hand. There's no gospel without the authority to heal and without um, the authority to cast out demons. And then we actually see whenever the 72 return. So verse uh, 17, it says, The 72 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I have given you authority 
to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. So again, we see that the 72 had been given such authority to tread on serpents and scorpions. And Jesus says, nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, um, that the spirits are subject to you. And then it actually says, verse 21, if we go on to 21, it says, In that same hour, he rejoiced in the Holy Spirit and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows who the Son is except the Father, or who the Father is except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Then turning to the disciples privately, he said, Blessed are the eyes that see what you see, for I tell you that many prophets and kings desired to see what you see and did not see it, and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. So here we see the 72, they've been sent out, they're returning and they're marvelling even themselves that they have such authority. But Jesus says, don't rejoice in this. And then we actually, we get a glimpse into Jesus' father-son relationship in that CMR that they return. So I think these two events are closely linked um, <clears throat> It's the first instance recorded in Luke where Jesus addresses his father in front of the disciples. So we get a glimpse into their intimate relationship. This father-son relationship is key and we will only understand authority in the attitude of little children who know their dependence on the father. So we just see that, that relationship, Jesus addressing his father, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you've hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. You know, that dependence of little children on their father, and we see that dependence of Jesus on his father. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All these things have been handed over to me by my father. That's where my authority comes from. It comes from my father. And no one knows who the Son is except the Father, or who the Father is except the Son, and anyone whom the Son chooses to reveal him. So, and he says, blessed are the eyes that see what you see. And I believe we will only see these things, we will only understand authority when we see them in the attitude of little children, completely dependent on the Father. And if we go on down to chapter 11, we see Jesus praying and the disciples want to learn how to pray also, how to address their father. Now Jesus was praying in a certain place and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, give us each day our daily bread. So we see again that father-son relationship, bringing the kingdom and daily dependence. Later on in that chapter 11, it's where he says um, in verse nine, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. 
knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks received and everyone who seeks finds and to the one who knocks it will be opened. What father among you if his son asks for a fish will instead give him a serpent or if he asks for an egg will give him a scorpion? If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly father give the Holy Spirit who ask him? So again there's another that theme of father um, giving authority by the Holy Spirit and we can approach the Father and we can ask and we can knock mm-hmm. and we can seek and he's a good father and if we earnestly seek him he will open the door to us. On a little side note another thing I just had noted then in Luke um, chapter 19 verse 17 um, it's where he talks about um, the servants, you know, having authority um, over cities. So it's this authority increases with faithfulness. It says in Luke nineteen seventeen, well done, good servant, because you have been faithful in very little. You shall have authority over 10 cities. So that was just another little side note of when um, authority was mentioned in Luke. <clears throat> so... Because this relationship, the father-son relationship, and it's not just a father-son relationship, it's a father-daughter relationship, but of course we talk about the father-son relationship because in these times that we're talking about, it was the son who had the inheritance and had the authority. Just going to get a drink of water. You might pray that my voice holds out because I have a very tickly throat. (coughs) Because this relationship is key, the devil is going to attack it. The devil will attack this relationship as he knows without it, we have no authority to do anything. So after Jesus was baptised, we hear the Father affirming his relationship. The Spirit descends on him like a dove and it says in Luke three twenty two, you are my beloved son with you I am well pleased and then straight away Jesus goes in to the desert so if we turn to Luke <coughs> chapter 4 <coughs> it says Jesus full of the Holy Spirit <coughs> returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness for 40 days, being tempted by the devil, and he ate nothing during those days. And when they were ended, he was hungry. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become bread. And Jesus answered him, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone. And the devil took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time and said to him, To you I will give all this authority and their glory, for it has been delivered to me, and I will give it to whom I will. If you then will worship me, it will all be yours. And Jesus answered him, It is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. And he took him to Jerusalem and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you. 
and on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered him, It is said, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. And when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. So we see, you know, that great moment. Jesus is baptised. The father says, This is my son. And straight away, Jesus goes into the wilderness. And at the end of those 40 days, you know, the devil comes and he is challenging his relationship with the father and he's challenging the authority which Jesus will um, work under. So you can see there in uh, 4 chapter 6 or chapter 4 verse 6 and he said to him to you I will give all this authority and their glory for it has been delivered to me and I will give it to whom I will if you then will worship me if you will come under my authority I will give you authority but Jesus um, answered him you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve you know only under his authority shall you serve so we see that that is that father-son relationship is where the devil went for but Jesus overcame the devil and he comes out of the desert and it says he returned in the power of the spirit to Galilee and a report about him went out through all the surrounding country and he taught in their synagogues being glorified by all and then further down that chapter then that's when he goes into the temple that's where we were earlier so he's coming out in the power of the spirit and later on then they are astonished at his authority so when we when we get that relationship when we stand up against the devil's attack on that father-son relationship we will be we will be working in the power of the spirit and we will have authority you know the devil will constantly attack that relationship he did it to Jesus in the desert he constantly nudges us towards thinking like an orphan to rob us of the authority that is rightfully ours as sons. I've seen um, someone had put up this example. You may have seen this or similar examples. I'm not going to read all of it because there's quite a bit in it, but it's really exploring that idea of the heart of the orphan versus the heart of sonship. And it affects everything. It affects the way we think and it affects the way we behave. The image of God, if we have the heart of an orphan, we will see God as a master. In the heart of sonship, we will see God as a loving father. With regards to our dependency, if we're an orphan, we will be independent and self-reliant. A son will be interdependent and acknowledge their need of the father. An orphan will live by the law, the love of law, and a son will live by the law of love. An orphan will be insecure and lack peace. A son will be at rest and have peace. An orphan will strive for the praise and approval and acceptance of man. And a son will be totally accepted in God's love and justified by grace. An orphan will have a need for personal achievement as you seek to impress God and others and have no motivation to serve. 
but a son will serve because he is motivated by a deep gratitude for being unconditionally loved and accepted by God. An orphan will work out of duty and earning God's favour. A son will have pleasure and delight. An orphan must be holy to have God's favour, thus increasing a sense of shame and guilt. A son will want to be holy and not do anything to hinder the intimate relationship with God. It's a completely different mindset and we need to we need to have that heart of sonship. There's a whole load more and I have a photo of that on my phone if anybody wants a copy of it because it is it's it's really good, it's really powerful. Um view of authority, there's another one. See authority as a source of pain distrustful towards those in authority and lack a heart and attitude of submission. A son will be respectful, honouring, and you will view authority or those in authority as ministers of God for good in your life. So it's so important that we understand what it is to have the heart of a son because it's the sons who possess authority. So if we look at Luke um, 15, so this is the prodigal son, and I know Nigel spoke on this not so long ago, but there's a whole lot in that um, that passage, so I'm going to look at it again. Um, Luke 15, <clears throat> starting at verse 11. And he said, there was a man who had two sons, and the younger of him said to his father, Father, give me the share of the property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country, and there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into his fields to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread? But I perish here with hunger. I will rise and go to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And he said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, bring quickly the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let us eat and celebrate for this is my for this. My son was dead and he is alive again. He was lost and is found and they began to celebrate. Now his older son was in the field and as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, Your brother has come and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has received him back safe and sound. But he was angry and refused to go in. 
His father came out and entreated him, but he answered his father, Look, these many years I have served you and never disobeyed your command, yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came, who had devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him. And he said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad, for this your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. So this passage probably really should be called the parable of the two sons, because the attitude of both sons' heart, hearts is so important. It's the study of the father-son relationship of two sons, an insight into each of their hearts. The heart of a true son yearning to be back in relationship with his father versus <coughs> the orphan heart of the elder son, a religious heart having all the wealth and love of his father available yet choosing to think as a slave. Sorry. Do you want a hot drink? Or? Um, I should be okay. <coughs> <coughs> so as I was looking <coughs> at those themes, the themes of authority, the, th- the themes of <coughs> the father-son relationship, I was, all those words, father, father and authority were jumping out to me and I had a look through this passage and I realised that the younger son addresses his father as father three times and if we look how many times the older son addresses his father, he actually never says father at all. When he addresses his father, he says, look, look, these many years I have served you. So we see there that that relationship, you know, even though the prodigal son, yes, he made mistakes, he went off, you know, out of his father's house for a while, we still see that he has this heart towards his father. He says, Father, give me the share of the property. Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. Father, I have sinned. But the elder son doesn't address his father as father at all. And the other thing in this passage is feasting or starving. You know, are we feasting or are we starving? The younger son went off with his inheritance away from the father's house. It lasted for a while, but it was finite and it ran out and he was starving. When he returned, there was feasting. There's feasting in the father's house at the father's table. And this is a picture of spiritual feasting. We see that example of spiritual feasting used in the previous chapter of Luke, you know, when he's talking about the wedding feast and the great banquet and um, you know, inviting the people into the wedding feast, but they, they don't come and they go to the highways and the byways to bring people into the feast, into that spiritual feasting. You know, the Father wants us to eat at his table. The table is set before us. But that younger son isn't the only one who is starving in this story. There's two people that we see starving. Yes, the younger son when he's off in the pigsty. But the elder son is also starving. He doesn't go into the feast. 
He says to his father, you never even gave me a young goat to celebrate with my friends. You know, I didn't get to have a feast. The abundance of all his father had was right there, but the attitude of his heart stopped him from feasting. So what does all that have to do with authority? Which son do you think possessed authority? To which son was the ring given? And the ring is the sign of affection and authority. And it's the younger son, the son with the true son's heart, who receives the ring, the sign of affection and authority. And we see in Genesis 41, 42, um, that use of a ring, Pharaoh gave his ring to Joseph when installing him into office. In Esther 8.2, the king gave a signet ring to Mordecai. So the ring transferred all power and authority necessary for the promotions that they received. So that's why it's so, it's so important that we really get that. We really get that heart of a son, that we realize that our father is a good father, that he has a table set before us. He wants to give us good things. And I'm not talking about material things. I'm talking about those spiritual things you know healing restoration those are the things that you know are in the father's heart for us and for others while i was looking at that i also was reading a little bit in carl martin's book um called stan it was quite funny when i was preparing this message like i really have not had a huge amount of time so basically anything that i have had time to read or think about you're getting now all in the one morning but thankfully god was tying it all together <laughs> whenever the little bits that and pieces that i had time to read i was just like oh, okay that fits in too so you're just you're getting it all don't think i've had loads of extra time to read loads of different things this is this is pretty much it um so this book stand and the chap or the title of this little section is called Unless You Eat, Nobody Gets to Eat. And it says, One day I find myself lying on the floor of a church. I don't often get visions, but this one was crystal clear. Jesus was walking me up the road, and it was as if I was blindfolded. He was walking backwards, holding both of my hands, yet I could see everything. It was a road I knew well, the road into town. And I kept seeing people I knew, the man in the supermarket, the lady who begs on the street. Jesus was being very friendly, as you would guess, but he wasn't actually changing their lives. They were left as they were. And I was getting more and more peeved with Jesus. He turned to me and said, shall we go somewhere to eat? Without hesitating, I said, yes. Those of you who know me will have no surprise. He took me to Costa Coffee and I asked, who's paying? Once again, no surprise. Jesus said nothing but just produced food from somewhere, haggis, pralines and ice cream and red wine, three of my favourite foods. And how did he know? Intimacy. As I started to eat, the food multiplied so that we could hardly move in the shop for food. I knew that I had to take this food to everyone outside. Jesus said to me, unless you eat, no one else gets to eat. I asked Jesus, can we go on a road trip? He said yes, and we went over, all over Scotland eating and handing out food. Unless we eat, knowing else, no one else is going to eat. To be missional, to be purposeful, it all starts with intimacy. So stand up and open the door. 
So if we think back to that prodigal son, or back to the elder son, in fact, just like the elder son, he didn't get to have a party with his friends. He didn't eat, so nobody else got to eat either. That ring and that robe should have went to the eldest son. It was rightfully his as the eldest, but it didn't. It went to the younger son. It went to that younger son who really had grasped you know, that relationship, how important that relationship was um, with his father, who had just went completely with his rags and full repentance, but he just knew he had to be back in relationship with the father and he gets the, the ring, the sign of authority. And if we just think for a moment, you know, imagine if that younger son had stayed in the pigsty. You know, he maybe sees another slave and he says, I believe my father can help you. He's a rich farmer. He's good. He's loving. He has food to spare. He wants to set you free. I believe he can set you free. Do you think he's going to be believed when he's sitting, starving in the pigsty himself? Do you think his words are going to possess authority if he's sitting in the pigsty or if he's standing outside the door of the feast like the elder son? Are people going to think his words have authority? Are they going to think he's working on behalf of his father if he's not actually in relationship with his father and eating at his father's table? You know, that's how we have authority authority to cast out demons, authority to heal. It's because we understand the heart of the Father. And you see, I don't have it written down here, so I don't have the references, but I just was thinking about it whenever I was sitting down there. It was something else um, that had came to my mind when I was preparing this was, um, we see a couple of examples of Jesus <coughs> healing um, children. And it's the parent that goes to Jesus to ask for, you know, healing. I think it's the, the widow whose son is being brought out, you know, in the funeral um, procession. And, you know, Jesus' heart goes out to her. Jesus' heart goes out to that parent, you know, that father heart. You know, God has that real father heart towards us. And the reason of, of Jairus' daughter, you know, Jesus' heart is moved by those situations. He's moved by that you know, that parent's heart, that, that father's heart. It's so important that we have a, an intimate relationship with the father, that we have experienced his love, his forgiveness, that we have experienced that father running to his son, not caring what anyone else thinks. And if you want to see, you know, that in action, you know, go back and read or listen to Nigel's message, just that father did not care what anyone else thought. He brought, you know, he didn't care. He's bringing shame on himself by running through the town in front of all of his friends and neighbours to meet this son who was stinking of the pigsty. You know, our father loves us so much. You know, we need to be feasting at his table, partaking of his unlimited resources in his house, under his authority and carrying out the works he has appointed for us and only then will our words carry authority because we will be working under the authority of our father we will have an understanding of his heart we will have an understanding of the things that move the father's heart and when we speak into those situations we're not going to be speaking our own words we're going to be speaking our father's words because we are confident in what the father wants to say in that situation 
and we have authority, you know, we're on the winning side. If we go back to that definition of authority, a person or organisation having political or administrative power and control, you know, we're on the side that has the power, we're on the side with the authority, we have the authority over the demons and the darkness, you know, and let's never forget that, you know, we don't act on our own and out of our own strength, but we're on the Father's side and he has the power and he has the authority and when we're in close relationship with him, when we really understand and we truly, truly believe that we are a son, that we are loved, that he wants to give us good gifts and he gives us that authority, you know, then I believe we will see, we will see things changed. We will see what we see in Luke and what we see in Acts. You know, we will see them having power and authority over all demons, all demons, not just some demons, power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases, to open blind eyes, to set captives free. So I'll just pray. Lord, I thank you that you you are a father. You're not just a father, Lord, you are our father. And you want to be a father to each and every one without exception. You want to have intimate relationships with all of your children, with your sons and your daughters, Lord. You want us to be in your house. You want us to be at your table. You don't expect us to do things that you haven't first given us the authority to do. We just need to be dependent upon you as little children. And Lord, I just pray that even for myself, that I would just become more conscious of that. And I pray it for for each of us here and for anyone listening, that we would just realise we just need to come to you as a little child and everything that's in your house, your riches and your power is available to us and we can act on your behalf because you appoint us and you give us authority, Lord. And we just thank you. Thank you that you are such a good father. Thank you that you love us, Lord. And just, yeah, I just pray that as we worship, we will just just spend that time in intimate relationship with our fathers.